Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outcasts, a limited series on Afterthought Media where I, Jay Ellis, do my best impression of Gail King and deep dive into the lives of Afterthought hosts. My guest today is known for his work on RuPaul's Drag Race Recap and Pod is my co-pilot. But he may be, well, oh, fuck. Damn it, damn it, damn it. Sorry. You know what's harder is reading off of a script than memorizing it and trying to spit it out again. But yeah, you know, that's my struggle that I deal with. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Outcasts, a limited series on Afterthought Media where I, Jay Ellis, do my best impression of Gail King and deep dive into the lives of Afterthought hosts. My guest today is known for his work on RuPaul's Drag Race Recap and Pod is my co-pilot, but he may be best known for eating blueberry jam burgers on his very own Animal Crossing <laughs> Island, Taylor the Latte Boy. How's it going, Taylor? Did Joe write these for you? You know what's funny? I, I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm hearing it in the voice of Joe Batance, but I'm thinking, what would he say? And I know that right now you are so smitten with Animal Crossing, so thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me. Oh, no problem. I, I just caught a, a red snapper. And oh, that sounds see see butterflies. I know it's, that sounds I contagious. Have, I have to go to the clinic on Monday. <laughs> so um, and yeah, no, it's I'm very much enjoying Animal Crossing in these days and times. It's very relaxing. It's I relaxing, know. but it's also one of these where I'm like, I have to collect so, bells is the currency in this game, and I'm like, I have to collect so many so I can expand my house. And then I'm like running back and forth to the shop where I'm selling fossils that i got it's this whole thing where i'm like this is really just life it's just life with cute animals (laughs) as i'm as i'm writing my intro because i think i'm the only person who's a gamer who owns a switch who's not playing animal crossing so i was doing research on how can i introduce taylor and it said something about bells i'm like well that can't be right so i'm not going to go with that because i didn't want to say i don't want to sound like i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) and i do like to explain just in case people saw that taylor the latte boy was my guest and they just clicked right on his name and they don't know what this series is um this kind of came out of boredom from the covid19 pandemic that's happening right now i said i want to kind of deep dive into the lives of all of the afterthought hosts that maybe take them out of their element like for you taylor we know you from rupaul's drag race recap but we may not know kind of your origin story or maybe some aspects of your life so that's where i'm stepping in to kind of interview you and talk to you kind of about early life coming out being queer and what that means to you great yeah so um first of all how do you identify i identify as a gay male perfect okay and then I've kind of been asking what's been your activity for waiting out coronavirus. It sounds like animal crossing has been the one. Well, animal crossing and I'm still working. Um, like going in. Has, Cause you, like, you can't well, work it, remote. Well, actually I can. And oh. I did yet. Yesterday was my first work from home day. Um, I am a licensed mental health counselor in the state of Florida and I work for an aid service organization. So um, primarily my clients come to me uh, however, we what I'm doing is I'm doing phone visits with them, mm-hmm. and we had all decided, or the higher ups had decided, that we were going to go for to a work from home model so that I could continue just doing phone visits that way. The problem, the blessing, and the curse of this is that it's myself who is the behavioral health counselor and a bunch of medical case managers. Well, they all use different software than I do. Mm-hmm. That is through our um, Ryan White funding. And they can't get them to work on their desktops. So what was pretty much told was that everybody who uses that software has to go back to work starting on Monday. So I'm like the only one out of the office that still technically can work from home oh. for the foreseeable future. 
But I also think there's probably a chance, especially because I have my own office, that they're going to say, yeah, you can just come in (laughs) (laughs) and just do phone visits, which is fine, whatever. But I am thinking it's a lot easier to play Animal Crossing if I have time between appointments (laughs) if I'm at home. Yeah. No. Work is is going to take umbrage with me showing up in my sweatpants and T-shirt, as you saw today, Uh sitting around and talking to – uh, chickens and hamsters that live in my town. So. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming dressed. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Is there something that's missing? Because I, I have experience with going to a therapist, and I feel like there's something about that connection, talking to somebody one-on-one in a room where you're spilling your guts out, and they're you're seeing their nods, their, yes. their head tilts. It, it makes me talk more. So do you think that there's mm-hmm. something lost when you take out that aspect? Well, there, yes, yes and no. I, I definitely, I prefer face-to-face therapy with my clients rather rather than talk therapy just because you do get to pick up on those physical cues. You get to pick up on the changes in face. You get to pick up when somebody's uncomfortable and they start fidgeting in their chair when they're in front of you versus on the phone. However, one thing that I have noticed <clears throat> is that I don't talk as much on the phone and I don't feel the need to kind of say but on a personal thing. So the, the silence is causing them to sort of talk more mm-hmm. um, where if I respond to something and go, wow, that sounds really difficult or really challenging. And then I just sort of sit quietly. Then eventually after a couple of seconds, they'll, they'll say something, which is something I think to myself, I should probably incorporate more into my face-to-face therapy. And I have been, but I feel like this is, been more i've been doing it more this week i have also noticed though that the visits have been shorter there's whereas i normally do a 50 minute it's usually at about a half an hour to 35 minutes they kind of say okay well i'm done now Mm -hmm. um and that's fine i mean it gives me more time to chart and catch up on other paperwork but i think that we've gotten so used as a society that the phone is really for things that just can't be texted and it's a much more efficient way whereas if you're sitting with somebody you're building rapport. We occasionally will wander off to other topics in conversation. Uh, my style of therapy is I-, I want people to be as comfortable as possible. I don't want to be the guy that doesn't say anything and sits with the steno pad and I'm writing down everything that they're saying. I want it to be like you're visiting with a friend. Um, and considering that a large number of the people I work with, a large number of my clients are gay men of my age um, and on either side, like slightly older and slightly younger – I want to be that presence for them. I want to be another gay man that they can talk to about things that there isn't the agenda of, you know, I have no interest in being their friend. I want to act like their friend, but I want to do it in a professional way. Um, And I feel like with a lot of the population that I work with, a lot of the guys that I work with, they don't have that. There's always a, I want something out of you, whether it's, I want to hook up or I need a place to stay, or this is my buddy I do drugs with. There's always some sort of ulterior motive, whereas mine is just, I want you to have the best mental health possible. possible. Um, and I want to help you learn the tools that you need to lead the best life. You know, a thing that I've started saying is, you know, what is the, what is Jay's, for example, if you are my client, what is Jay's best life look like? What can we do for, so that Jay can be the best Jay that he can possibly be? And, <laughs> I have my vision board here. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, it's one of these, I mean, I, not to get all, you know, shockers and crystals and stuff, but I mean, we do talk about, I want you to imagine what that looks like. Mm. That's the equivalent of me saying, well, I want to lose weight. Okay. Well, how do you do that? I don't know. Eat less. No, have yeah. a specific concrete plan. 
And one of the things that we do is, you know, I do a treatment plan with my clients and we sit down and we talk about it. You know, if I have ideas of what you should do versus you have ideas of what you should do, we don't communicate them, then we're never going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I do have some clients that are very much of the, they are very fixated on the way they see things and the way they see the world is the only way that it should, should be. And I have to be the one that goes, well, girl, you've been doing that for the last 30 years and it's not working. Like, when are you going to get to a point of when that's not the case anymore? Right. You know, I, I love that so much of the vernacular from drag race has entered into my therapy with clients where I call, I call everybody girl, <laughs> like, oh, girl, come on. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, but you also, one of the things that I learned my job prior to this was as a children's counselor for hospice. So mm-hmm. I couldn't walk around and go, girl, girl yes, honey, queen, slay. <laughs> where <laughs> yes, I had to mama. Use, yes, mama. <laughs> you know, I drop F-bombs in therapy like crazy mm-hmm. and make very inappropriate jokes and, and that kind of thing. But I do it as a way to show people that, I, you know, I'm human. You can talk to me about these things. I use myself as examples a lot in therapy just as a way to as a way to show them that what they're going through isn't so unique not to be disrespectful of their story, but so that they don't feel quite so alone. Cause a lot of things that I hear with folks are that they feel like they're the only one that's going through this. And there's lots of times where I'm just like, mm, no, I've heard this story before, but yeah. th- that doesn't mean that it's not scary for you and sad for you, but let's talk about how, l- let me tell you ways that you may want to look at this from a different angle or different tools that you can use. Yeah. Joe would have been yelling at me right now because I think I felt like I talked for like five minutes straight and I apologize. I was going to say, that's the, how are you doing section? (laughs) No, I do actually want to pay you a compliment because it's so rare that you find somebody who talks so passionately about their work and the job and what they're doing. And I feel like you're doing something for the community, which is so fantastic. Thank you. And correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, you just seem like you're, you still are in love with your work and what you're doing. I have been, very blessed since starting um, work after undergrad, everything that I have done, I have gone into with a passion that um, has just been, I, I've, I've always, I've always worked to some degree with the community. Um, I've pretty much worked for the same company for 24 years now. It's, it was my first job. The agency I work for, to some degree is the same job I started with after I got my bachelor's degree when I was 23 wow. and I've never left. I've moved within the agency to various places, but I've always been. So when I, they've got me now going to something called welcome week where we introduce um, new employees to what the larger agency is. And I'm part of a panel. And when I say I, you know, I've been with the agency 23 years and then I always felt the joke, you know, I was four. They pulled me out of preschool. Um, <laughs> kills every time. <laughs> it kills every time. Even though all of the people who run a welcome week, you can see them all rolling their eyes in the back. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, you it, people, they say every couple of years, people move to a new agency and a new job. And I've been blessed that I haven't had to do that because I love the work that I do. I love being able to provide something to the community that I feel is very um, important. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about mental health enough in this country. We don't talk about self-care enough in this country. And when when I say that, you know, self-care isn't just bubble baths or going and getting your nails done or going out for night. Self-care, self-care is ugly. Self-care mm-hmm. can be gross. Self-care can be hard to do. And when you sort of present that to people, they don't like that. They want to hear all of the, they want to see all the Pinterest stuff. 
Yeah. They want they want to see all of that sort of thing. You know, grab a gl- glass of wine and go sit with a girl. Fuck off. No, sometimes <laughs> that is telling that person in your life you are toxic and you can't we can't talk anymore because of that. Mm-hmm. Um so that yes, I I love my job. I'm sorry. Joe never lets me talk this much. This is, cast eyes, this is what this show is for. It's this is totally exactly but it's raising up a lot of questions. So, did you know you're a kid from Jersey? Mm-hmm. You're you're a girl from the Jersey Shore. I'm a Jersey girl, born born and bred, born and bred. Um, born and bred. I was going to say born and bred. No, born and bred was the name of an unfortunate tape I made in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, um did did you know that this was going to be the the path that you were taking at a young age or can you tell me a little bit about oh okay so what were you like when you were a kid when i was kid a kid i was i was definitely a mama's boy um growing up i didn't enjoy the things that other little boys did i wasn't a big athlete i didn't enjoy sports um, I didn't even necessarily like like Transformers and things like that, though I did love Masters of the Universe. I can't imagine why, you know, guy in a furry loincloth. That was that was the action figure I wanted. Right. Um, He-Man? Is that He-Man? He-Man. Okay. Yeah, He-Man yeah. and the Masters of the Universe. And I just remember always being around my mom and my sister and my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, because my mom uh, didn't uh drive until i was probably in later elementary school or maybe like mid elementary school so my grandmother would drive us places so mm-hmm. i was always spending i spent a lot of time around women um and my mom was probably a fag hag without even realizing she was a fag hag <laughs> because she loved things where we watched a lot of te- we watched a lot of variety shows um, uh, we got a lot, I got a lot of my sense of humor or my style of humor, um, or my humor sensibilities. Cause I'm not nearly as funny as things like the Mary Tyler Moore show, um, Carol Burnett show. Those are shows that I remember us watching and really loving as a family. But I also remember any time that Paul Lind was on something, my mother always laughed really hard at any time Paul Lind was on or, uh, Rip Taylor, Rip Taylor. He's the one that used to throw the confetti everywhere. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, r- even like Richard Simmons. You know, we would watch things like that. And I remember at one point, my mom taught, we somehow we got talking about Richard Simmons like one morning at breakfast before school. And my mom saying, well, he's probably gay. And my sister and I saying, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, that's when boys like other boys the way boys like girls. And that's really all that was said about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just sort of, you know, it was said in passing as she was handing me my cinnamon toast kind of thing. Right. And I remember... I just remember that resonating that it was just like, oh, maybe this is something because at that point I was starting to get crushes on little boys in elementary school. Like, okay, well then this isn't so weird. Now, you know, Richard Simmons was also kind of in many ways considered to be like a joke. And when you look at gay representation in the seventies and eighties, it was usually the flamboyant, you know, wearing the kerchief to the side, sort of that just crazy over the top. And they were, they were just sort of a, you know, uh, a comedic trope versus somebody that had a full life. Mm-hmm. But I just remember at that point, that was kind of not the, the beginning of, okay, that's something that's, there's something there. I, I get that. Um, I guess my, 
Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. And I just want, so her kind of putting a label, I, I don't like label, but her defining a word to what that was and saying it without any kind of preconceived, there was no, she wasn't like, oh, he's probably gay, like kind of in a. a no. D- okay. Yeah. And I mean, that's not to say that there weren't comments made by her and then also by my father. You know, I grew up, I grew up in South Jersey and I grew up in a neighborhood in a township. That was very conservative, uh, very Roman Catholic, very Italian. Like everybody in my neighborhood in my housing development, they all had they all had vowels at the end of their names. Like it was just there was nothing but Italian folks all around me. Right. And it was where everybody went to mass on Sundays and everybody was just the everybody loved Reagan. You know, I remember in in 84, everybody having the Reagan Bush signs, much like we see, you know, now with things. And that was just, it was just assumed that he was going to win. Even in high school, like as I started to get these democratic sensibilities, the year it was uh, Bush versus Dukakis, mm-hmm. we, did, we did a mock vote in high school. And I remember them announcing at the end of the day who, and it was something like, 87% voted for Bush versus 13 voted for Dukakis. And I just remember being, that was the first time that with, with pol- political stuff that I was sort of like, Oh, well, not everybody thinks the way I do. That's, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I jumped ahead to high school, but it, it's, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds like kind of, I like to say queer because I feel like it's kind of a blanket. It kind of covers anything that's a little different or strange. Was that kind of where you were, you said you were younger, kind of becoming aware of crushes that you were having at elementary school or kids, but was this kind of the, the start of you realizing who, who you were going to be for the rest of your life? No. Well, no, I can, I have a, I have a definite moment. Oh, this is so good. I I feel like everybody who I've talked to hasn't had like that. That was the moment. So this is good. Okay, so you you go through elementary school with me, and everything is fine. Most of my fr- I have friends that are boys, but most of my friends are girls. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in school, you know, I hang out with girls, and you know, I sit in the cafeteria with girls, and 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 that sort of thing. And in the way our school system, excuse me, yeah, sorry. In our school system, uh, you went from fifth grade, you went from elementary school to sixth grade, you went to middle school. And I remember in the spring of fifth grade, we were out at recess and I would just kind of hang out with my friends. And I mean, we weren't like, you know, playing ring around the rosy or anything, but we were just, we would just all kind of sit and talk because at that age, you're starting to not necessarily play games. You're just hanging out and pretty much at that point, you're starting to gossip about all of the other <laughs> girls. Yeah. And a teacher who was not my teacher, but the teacher uh, that, that we kind of would have that where it was the big room, but it was uh, separated by the folding wall. Mm-hmm. So if one of the teachers had to go to the bathroom, they could pop open the side and then the one teacher could like kind of watch to make sure. So yeah. I remember Miss Finaki, Carolyn Finaki of Loring Fleming, Fleming Elementary Drag School. Her. I have no problem dragging her. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember her walking up to me and she's a teacher I had had very little contact with um, and saying, can I talk to you for a minute? And I, yeah, because I knew I wasn't doing, you know, I was just sitting talking to my friends. And we went back into our classroom while everybody was out at recess. And I remember her saying to me, you know, all year our classes play recess together. And I said, yeah. And she said, uh, I can't help but notice that most of the time when you are playing out at recess, you hang out with all of your little girlfriends. 
And I said, yeah, they're my friends. And she said, okay. She goes, well, next year you're going to middle school and you need to understand something. People don't like little boys who only play with little girls. And you are going to have a real hard time. So what you're going to do is you're going to go back outside and you're not going to talk to your little girls. You're going to go and play basketball with the little boys because they were all playing basketball in the basketball court. And I said, I don't know how to play basketball. And she said, well, you're going to figure it out. And for the rest of the year, I don't want you. When I see you out at recess, I don't want you playing with the little girls. You have to play with the little boys. Miss Car- Carolyn? Carolyn Finaki. So, oh, oh, I have a follow-up to this. Don't okay. worry. Trust and believe. So okay. I remember saying, you know, very timidly, okay. And at that point, I went outside. And I went and kind of, she wasn't paying attention to me, but she was watching my friends. So I went behind a tree and I cried. Because this was the first time that somebody told me, you're not right for being you. Yeah. And I remember that for, it was, it was only like the last two weeks of school, but I remember suddenly I had stomach aches when it came time for recess. And is it okay if I just, you know, if I just, you know, organize, organize the, yeah, it's, it's one of these where at that point I didn't realize there was something wrong with me. And to some degree, she was right in that middle school was a nightmare for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily at that point, like when you figure I spent all this time with these women in my family and then spent time with all these girls, I definitely picked up a lot of feminine traits mm-hmm. um, and was a lot more. I didn't understand that my cackle is a little too high and my Dancing was a little too good at dances and all that kind of stuff. And then I immediately got the, and I was also at this point, I was sheltered in that I excelled in school. So the people that I was with, and you're with the same class, pretty Mm -hmm. much going through those five years is we were all the kids who were smart. And then you put in that middle school of where you're changing classes and you're with kids at various educational. And I would say to some degree, developmental levels and they see something that is different and that they can make fun of because they don't feel as good about themselves. And I was chum in the water at that point. Right. Where I can definitely, I had kids that up until I was in my early 30s, when I would engage in negative self-talk, it wasn't my voice. It was their voice that I would hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to work through that night to process that. It followed me to some degree through high school, but when I was a hospice counselor working with kids who had experienced a loss, I could feel myself. I would go into schools. I had um, what they call a level two clearance so that I, they did a background check on me and everything. So I got to go into our county schools and elementary schools. I would go in and out of there and talk to kids and have great. Well, I could feel myself when I would pull into middle schools, even in, even as an adult, I could feel the back of my neck tightening up. I would grip the wheel a little bit more. Um, and I was definitely something where it wasn't, it wasn't like PTSD of where I was breaking into a cold sweat, but there was definitely a level of anxiety that was greater and working that because of what those three years were like for me. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of experiences where I got beat up. Um, Being called a faggot was a, not a daily occurrence, but it was definitely a pretty regular occurrence. Um, But the way that I combated that was humor. And trying my best to pick up on some of those social cues that I was watching through pop culture and finding a group of people who 
we didn't really all realize that we kind of had a more mature sensibility as far as humor goes, but it worked. And that was, that was my, that was my safety net as well as I, from a very small age, I loved comic books and I loved Mm -hmm. art and I did a lot of drawing and sketching and all of my comic books were always all of my favorite characters from DC and Marvel put together where I would make up these teams and not surprisingly, it was always all female superheroes. Yeah. So it was always, you know, you have Wonder Woman on the one side. And, and she's you your one, right? Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. I mean, Wonder Wonder Girl actually is my all-time favorite. Uh-huh. But Wonder Woman, I mean, there, there's more Wonder Woman merchandise out there than Wonder Girl merchandise. Right. Um, but that being said, I, I when I was little, I used to love the Wonder Woman TV show and when Deborah Winger was on as Wonder Girl, I always dreamed that they would do a C episode where there'd be a Wonder Boy. Uh-huh. You know, not understanding that she comes from an island of all women. But in my head, even at like five or six, I fleshed out this story of how I could get on the show and I could because, you know, I wanted to twirl and have the big explosion and wear the shiny costume. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it was really when I t- came out to my mother, she was like, uh, duh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Anytime Wonder Woman would twirl, I'd be like, oh, I get to twirl now I'd, like, twirl in front of the TV. So. <laughs> yeah, you were I kind of interrupted. You were saying that you were kind of creating this huge roster of Marvel and DC characters. And that was yeah. what was that for? Just as a. That was a just sort of a way to a feeling of control mm-hmm. because you got to a place where you would um, I could control these characters and I could control this world and what happened in this world. And and I I loved these characters and it's something that has stayed with me all through my life. So when you talked to when you kind of bringing it way back, when you talked about counseling, has counseling always been something I wanted to do? No, the answer to that would be no. Honestly, it was I wanted to be a comic book artist and comic book writer for DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the day, I loved the new Teen Titans, which was a big comic for in the 80s. I know that there's yeah. like Young Justice and the Teen Titans cartoon, but it was based on a comic book that was out in the 80s where Wonder Girl was one of the main characters. And I decided that that's something that I wanted to do. So I created a portfolio um, in rabbit ears that I actually sent to DC comics, which now I look back at it. I'm horrified because they were horrible, <laughs> but the editor of DC comics wrote me back and wrote me. This wasn't a form letter. It was an actual letter that she wrote that said she appreciated the interest that she had, that we, I had in teen Titans. Unfortunately, they weren't able to accept my portfolio, but it was on official DC letterhead that I still have. Yeah. And it was handsome because I remember the watermark of it is all of the characters are printed on the, like the, there's the DC bullet, right. They call, and all of the characters are, are printed on the back. So when you hold it up to light, it sort of is this, like, it, it looks like they're all holding, standing on each other's shoulders, shoulders, holding up the logo. And she also sent me, because I just drew, you know, I drew pictures of Wonder Girl and I drew pictures uh-huh. of Kid Flash. And she said, that's not the way that we do a portfolio. And I remember she sent me copies of what uh, panels look like when you're trying to learn how to draw. And they were, I thought, oh, these are really cool because they're characters that I know, but I don't know this comic book. Well, like three months later, the comic book came out and it was the panel. So I'm like, she sent me sneak previews of some of these panels uh, of a Teen Titan comic. Yeah. And I just was, I was like through the roof. So I'm like, all right, then I have to get better and I have to do that. Um, what an amazing person to, I mean, yeah. imagine that, I, I imagine that so many kids, 
I was influenced so much by Marvel X-Men specifically just because now I look back, I'm like, oh, it's totally a metaphor for gay and being different. And so no wonder I related to them so much. But I imagine that working at those companies and having to respond to these kids that are so influenced by your work. I mean, to put the time in and to actually send that. And look, it still has so much meaning to you so many years later. Karen Berger, she was the uh, editor of uh, New Teen Titans at the time. So I knew enough to send her. To, if we're, we're going to give Carol Fanaki a read, we need <laughs> to, we need to give Karen Berger, yeah, you know, the props for for talking to some you know little thirteen year old <laughs> right in South Jersey. <laughs> we we love we love her. Hate Carol Caroline. Yeah. Um, you said that. So do you, and I I actually do want to go back to Caroline, whatever her last name. I can't. I won't. Fanaki. I won't commit Fanaki. I won't commit yeah. that to my memory. But do you think in her twisted mind she was thinking she went home that night? She's making her dinner. And she's like, I really helped that kids yes i think that is i think that is what she thought Mm -hmm. um and i can appreciate that you know you're talking this was 1984 Mm -hmm. um and they you know they weren't as well educated and and things were at this point the only time that you really saw were either comedy characters, which if you watch a movie called the, I believe it's called the celluloid closet. They talk about that all gay characters in media, eventually they were comedic then immediately went to tragic of where they were usually murder victims or they, or they were serial killers or they were. So that was really the only thing that was going on with Mm -hmm. the exception of this is when we were starting to see gay men die of AIDS. Um, This was, this was, you know, the early to mid eighties. And that's when you were starting to see that. I mean, I don't think rock Hudson was necessarily uh diagnosed or had died at that point that that came not long after that but that became sort of the focus of anytime you saw anybody that's you know eventually eventually those people those people all eventually kind of would die off after a while mm-hmm. um so as i'm growing up and realizing one i'm being mocked and being called a faggot in school and i'm getting where you know the, the dodgeball is being thrown a little harder at me than the other kids um, and you're also when you go home at night and I was a pop culture kid so I would watch things like Entertainment Tonight or I would watch the news and they were talking about this disease that was killing off gay men left and right it was scary it was very much of the oh, this is okay so this is what's going to happen to me am I going to be dead by 30 because this is apparently what happens to mm-hmm. all gay people you know yeah yeah that and you've you've kind of touched on a few of the questions that I've been asking other kind of interviewees. So you've talked about your bullying and was that majority in school? Because did you have any extra extracurricular activities or church or anything that you'd go to where you felt you were bullied? Well, I had I was in Cub Scouts. Okay, uh, insert joke here. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to let it go. Yeah. And uh, I re- my dad was the assistant. Um, I want to say den mother, but he wasn't. He was like you know <laughs> cub leader, or den leader, or whatever. Uh, for like a year, he worked. My dad worked. Uh, he was ve- he was very blue collar growing up. He eventually went to a white collar job, but um, he he worked on a dredge and a tugboat, so he was able to help out occasionally. And I remember one night we were doing something, and I was laughing and being silly. And this is this is around the same time as Carolyn Fanaki. I remember we because we would carpool where he would take my friends Eric and Brian. He would take them home. Uh, and I remember we had to stop at the Thriftway. If you're from Jersey, you remember Thriftway back in the 80s. Uh, I think they're still around. I don't know. And I remember when we pulled up, he said he had to go in. But he said, you embarrassed me today acting like a little girl. 
and you you know you got to fit you got to figure out how to you know pretty much man up like i remember i remember i can see the thriftway sign behind him and i remember his finger in my face mm-hmm. where he was just like you know i'm not i'm not going to pretty much i'm not going to have a faggot as a son kind of thing and he told me when we got home i immediately had to go to bed um so and that was another example of like what did i do? like at that point i really had no idea like what the fuck did i do you know i probably didn't say what the fuck at 11 <laughs> yeah but um because i still have all my teeth so i would have <laughs> said that to my father but um i i just remember having those moments of just not really getting uh, th- th- that was really it and then and then after that cup scouts wasn't fun anymore Right. Because then I was in that constant, like, worrying about things. Um, we had something called CCD, which was like a religious, like, almost like a Sunday school that the Catholic kids had to do. So you could go through First Holy Communion and First Confirmation. But that I don't remember necessarily, like, learning gay people were bad or anything like that. That didn't really come until high school when I went to a Catholic high school. Okay. Uh, and with these, I mean, it sounds like you kind of associate – you. you're able to – put an entire scenario in so you're you're linking cub scouts and you're linking recess to kind of these bad and it kind of made your you had like a pit in your stomach when it would come time to those things do you think that there was a i don't know like was there a behavior that all of a sudden you muted like you said okay i'm walking out to recess now i've got to turn i've got a code switch and become this totally different person just for this half hour or for cub scouts for this hour-long meeting i have to become this other person. I can't be who I am because I've, somebody's told me I'm doing it wrong. No, I, I think that was part of the issue was I didn't really know how to do that. And I feel like people already kind of saw who I was. Mm-hmm. So for me to suddenly go to where I'm, you know, I, I'm talking about how I love Pat Benatar and Stevie Nicks to where suddenly, you know, I'm like, yeah, Motley Crue, they're the fucking best. I, I, I don't know that people wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have gotten side eye from people. Right. Um, I guess I didn't give myself enough credit to mm-hmm. do that. I have a, I have a client who talks about how he was very feminine growing up and he was kind of this tall, gangly sort of skinny, um, and he taught himself over years, like where he would said he would practice walking, you know, where he would kind of learn how to walk like a straight guy, you know, quote unquote, like a straight guy. And I just remember, like, even as he was sitting talking about that as an adult in my 40s, and he would talk about doing that as a kid, I was like, I have no idea how you would do that. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how you would, because I, on the one hand, I felt like, well, there's nothing wrong, like, running like Charlie's Angels. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> and posing <laughs> absolutely like you know i always went you know we i i can i can remember the neighborhood kids which it's funny because the two, two of the two of the three kids next to me also were gay mm-hmm. so we would all play we would play grease where we would all re reenact the movie grease and we would all kind of fight over who got to be the little newton john like no like you would think that <laughs> okay. at least one of us would have said all right fine i'll be john travolta but like we all wanted yeah. to be sandy but none of us really necessarily got what that was we just all sort of wanted to be we, we just thought that olivia newton john was everything I'm and offended. That, everything. I'm offended. Nobody wanted to be Stalker Channing as Rizzo. Well, okay, but but now as an adult, you're like, oh no, Rizzo was the one with all the great lines. But you wanted, yeah. to, be the, you wanted to be the pretty girl in the tight, shiny outfit that was of off course. the shoulder at the end of the movie and have the big hair and get yeah. to sing all the songs. When in actuality, there are worse things I could do. Is really kind of the best song in the Grease soundtrack. 
Right. And you go, guys, I've been practicing my twirl. I know I can, I can nail Sandy. <laughs> Watch this. <laughs> um, and so you kind of talked about figures in media and I kind of want to go back to that. So Wonder Woman obviously was huge. You said Paul Lind. Was there somebody in media who you thought kind of represented who you were or who you wanted to be? Linda Carter is what, well. um, yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely I'm trying to think of TV shows. I always kind of, as a kid, I always, the first one that comes to mind, which I know it's kind of weird, is Joni on Happy Days. Like I always- That's the sister, is that that's right? That's the sister. Okay. Because she, I always thought she was pretty when she when when Happy Days was on. And she also got to kiss Scott Bayo, who I had a huge crush on. Okay. Uh, oh, I didn't know he day. was on Happy, he's oh, on yeah, Happy he was, Days? He was Chachi. Oh, hold on. Now I know Joni loves Chachi. Joni was that loves a, Chachi. That was, was that a spin-off? Spin-off? Oh. No, there, there was Happy Days and then Joni and Chachi. Oh, see, now, girl, you got me going. I, anything in the 60s, I just should assume it's a spinoff of something because okay, well, that's what they the did. the 80s. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, right. It took place in the 60s. It took place in the 60s. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So, as did Laverne and Shirley. Laverne and Shirley was, uh, Dick Shirley, was, it, was a Happy Days spinoff as well. What? Oh. oh my God, you are making me feel so fucking old <laughs> I know, right hold on, hold on. I don't want to, okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're keeping this in. It's not being edited out. I'm teaching the, I'm teaching the literal children right now. Okay, uh-huh. so, but anyway, she always kind of, she always had B storylines. And I think there was part of me that always thought, well, that's as good as I'm going to get. I'm never going to get the A storyline. I'm always going to be this, I'm going to be a supporting character in my own life story mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I always kind of liked her. Um, I always liked uh, watching Family Ties. I always liked like Justine Bateman's character. Um, because even though she was ditzy, she was, I always thought she was pretty, but she also got some of the funny lines because she was ditzy, but I always thought she was smarter than they gave her credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, those are definitely characters. But again, you're talking about female supporting role characters that I always, th- those were the ones I was always drawn to watching. Like with Mallory ever got a storyline on Family Ties, I always liked that. If Joni ever got a storyline, I always liked that. Those were sort of the characters that I that I definitely liked the best. Um and do you feel like that's you? You mentioned that you were taking kind of aspects of these people's senses of humor and applying them to yourself to kind of be funny at school or with your family. Do you still yeah. see kind of echoes of that humor in the jokes? Well, particularly talk? with uh, on on a, on a night night a Saturday night in 1985, my life changed because I watched the pilot episode of The Golden Girls, <laughs> and I was I was 13, and and again, that's a show about really it's kind of. For supporting characters, there isn't necessarily, I mean, some would argue that B. Arthur's character is the main character, but it's really about four supporting characters. And I learned a lot about humor and about what I think is funny with that. I mean, whether it's a well done double entendre or just that, you know, where there's, where there is a compact, there's a passion there and there's a friendship there and that humor of where I'm going to say something mean, but I'm going to do it with a wink and a smile that shows you that I still love you, where it feels like to some degree, all of those characters could tease each other. Um, I went to a class years ago uh, about bullying for work. Uh, and how to handle when kids are, this was particularly when you were seeing a lot of suicides um, with younger younger people and stuff mm-hmm. about bullying. And I remember the definition of bullying is where 
teasing is where everybody's on the same playing field, whereas bullies are where they're standing up in the stands, like throwing things at you while you're on the on the playing field. Um, that's that's the difference there. So teasing, as you know, we definitely do with on Drag Race Recap. I do with Pot as my co-pilot. I do it with my husband. I am very much a teaser, and I feel like the Golden Girls is part of that. I, if I ever said something to you know, I say things sometimes. I talk with my I tease my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, but I also say to them, you know, a joke that I always say is if I make fun of you to your face, that means I like you. Yeah. If I make fun of you behind you, not that I would ever tell a client I'm making fun of them behind their back. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, but I say to coworkers, if I'm talking about you behind your back, that's when you need to worry about me. Right. Um, because I expect to get it back. And I have some clients that we have that rapport. We have that way of kind of going back and forth. And I love that. I crave that. And I feel like the Golden Girls is where a lot of that sensibility comes from as far as how I communicate um, and my humor style. That That's actually an undertaking I'm going to do is I haven't seen all of Golden Girls, but I, I'm very familiar with the style of humor. And it's true. There is a barb in every sentence. It feels like where yes. one character is, con- it, it's, there's never just one person they're piling on, which you kind of see as a sitcom trope where it's like, here's this dummy and let's all like Urkel, like this is yeah. the joke. And let's just point at this one person. Go ahead. Yeah. And when you think about it, the Golden Girls was primarily written by gay men. Yes. And it was, it was all gay men. And this was a way for them to get that out. And to and this is really kind of the Golden Girls is really our first step, I think. And the way that a lot of people of my generation, mm-hmm. this is what this is how we learned how to read. This is how this 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 is the reading challenge that drag race does and often fails at in that where you learn that and that it's, it's, it's a give and a take and it's a back and a forth and it's, and it's gotta be smart. You know, I occasionally love my dumb humor, but smart humor to me, something that is really funny and really like a really great quip is, is wow, chef's kiss to me. It is, it is perfect to me. And it is something that will always make me laugh every time. Right. So, yeah. so how much of the golden girls have you seen? Cause that will direct where the rest of this conversation goes. <laughs> I'm afraid to say no, I, I don't. The, my, the thing that actually really is sweet about it is my grandma on my mom's side. It's a big mm-hmm. Italian family. So my grandma would watch my sister, uh, me and a few of my cousins. And um, we would watch Wheel de Fortune is what she called it with her Italian accent. <laughs> yes. Jeopardy, which I was I remember it being too young for me. And I thought it was so boring. But now glued to my television yes Yes. Mm -hmm. and golden girls so i know i've seen more than i can remember but that Mm -hmm. was her favorite show and she was very b arthur like that was my grandma so i have an affinity when i see b arthur and i'm in other uh, projects i I love it and so i want to go back but i have these memories where it's like i don't want to take away from those but i think i'm just going to add and just kind of see more of my grandma through that sense of humor and especially when i see b arthur it's gonna it's gonna be really fun for me so i just haven't taken it on yet but i would say in my adulthood probably (laughs) what's such a low number probably like 15 to 20 actively (gasps) in my adulthood but they've all but they're so good yeah it's 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 so fun to watch and it's just it's it's hard (laughs) it's and it's one of those that you know how like when a sitcom gets later on in its life, it starts to get crazier and it starts yes. to be where suddenly there suddenly the characters that have been based in reality are being held at gunpoint or suddenly uh-huh. there's a situation, you know, which unfortunately that does happen in one or two episodes later down the line. It works for the most part with Golden Girls because it gets so campy where I mean, I think at this point. The the gay right. I mean, I know Mark Cherry, who did Desperate Housewives, he was a producer and a writer on it and 
I think it just gets to be so ridiculous and over the top, but it works because we didn't have anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the joke, the jokes get funnier and smarter and the storylines, because now you have these characters that you have really fallen in love with. I mean, there is something about every single one of those four characters that I think we as gay men strive to be. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, Dorothy, who's super smart and super super um mean but i mean mean in like a good way where she comes from a good heart you've got sophia who's very wise you've got rose who's kind uh, and sees things through naive and blanche who's kind of just very sexual and very confident in her sexuality and confident in her body so when you put all four of these women together it it makes the perfect person i wouldn't even say the perfect one but the perfect person who i we as especially of my age range all strive to be Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want to be a Dorothy, what does they say? Dorothy in the streets, Blanche in the sheets. I want to be <laughs> yeah. able to, but I want to be able to turn on a dime like that and be able to do that. And I feel like that has been a huge um, piece of my, of who I am because, yeah. because of that show, that is a show as much as I like, you know, Parks and Rec is my all time favorite show, but the Golden Girls is really a show that changed my life. Mm-hmm. And we we talked a lot about the past and I think this is going to be my last one, but was that something that you'd watch with your parents and they could see how much you were enjoying it? I think so. It's funny you mentioned because my grandmother, my grandmother reminded oh. me of B. Arthur too. She was very tall. She had a very deep voice and she had that white gray hair. Um, and there were times when on uh, not long after the Golden Girls started, my grandfather died. So, mm-hmm. and me being a mama's boy, I would do things of on Saturday nights where I would say to my mom, I want to go spend the night at grandma's. I mm-hmm. want to go to, because I was worried about her and I wanted to be able to spend time and like kind of hang out with her. Um, and I, I remember we would sit and we would watch, watch Golden Girls and she would just laugh and think it was really funny. So again, somebody who I adored, I adored this woman mm-hmm. and she thought this was funny. So, well then, then I, if, if I don't understand why it's funny, I got to figure it out because I want to be able to type, be the type of person who makes my grandmother laugh. Yeah. So I would definitely, I, you learned kind of that, that styling and you learned that timing and I didn't say I do it well, but I definitely, <laughs> I, I, it was, it was a master class, you know, Golden Girls is really kind of a master's class in being a gay man for me. Okay. So two things we should take from this podcast is B. Arthur is all of our grandmas <laughs> and we should get Taylor on the new afterthought program with Shady Pines. Right. <laughs> yeah. And Carol Franaki is a cunt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Three, there's three major things about this podcast. Um, right. So the, the only thing that I'm really missing is, did you ever have a conversation with your parents about actually, and I've taken this from you and I credit you as often as I can, that you don't come out just once. It's a constant thing that's happening in our lives where whether it's in your introduction or you have to have that uncomfortable conversation of saying I'm actually gay. Um, Did you have that conversation with family, with friends and how did it go? Well, I definitely, I waited to, I mean, high school is a whole other thing. Um, I was in love with my best friend and uh, he, who eventually also came out as gay as well. But um, neither one of, again, Catholic school that I, um, I remember when we were taking like health class, I remember it was like, you know, page 37 through 39 talked about homosexuality. Cause I definitely looked at, looked for it in the back of the book. Cause at that uh-huh. point I kind of knew, but didn't want to admit to myself. And I remember, you know, we would go through the book in health class and if it was pages 37 through 39, we were like pages 32, 33, 34, 36, 40, 41. Like they literally just said, okay, now turn the page, page 40. So again, another example of you're wrong. Um, I, 
and our great schooling system in America. Yeah. So I, I went off to college. I came down here to Florida. I pretty much followed him down here. Um, I looked for a school that had a great creative writing program mm-hmm. and found that. And um, he moved to Fort Myers and I moved to St. Petersburg. But I was like, I'll have my car. It's only an hour and a half away. And at this point, I was starting to get like stalker. at Like I was I definitely th- th- speaking to why I went into therapy or went into kid being a counselor. I did yeah. a lot of therapists. It's physician heal thyself. We went uh, into school because we were trying to fix ourselves. And then yeah. eventually you decide, <laughs> Oh, I can, the, the, the good ones find, kind of figure it out and then use the tools for the rest of the world. Other people, they use their powers for evil. Right. Um, so I went to school, I like a year, uh, I went to school 1100 miles away and it was the first time that I started to see people that weren't so conservative. I went to a liberal arts school that there was definitely a lot of conservative kids there, but there was also a lot of kids that were gay and a lot of kids that were, you know, and I was starting to think, okay, so it, you know, they, they seem happy. Mm -hmm. They seemed, maybe this is something I can, I can be a part of. So what, but I was still, I had a, I had a roommate that I wasn't sure how he was going to handle it. Um, And I remember, finding information on our school didn't have we were still a faith-based school or it is still a faith-based school it's presbyterian but uh university of south florida had a gay coalition uh and it was like a 45 minute drive it was up in north tampa and i live in south st pete for anybody who understands that uh point of reference and i would drive on thursday nights i would drive and i would go to these meetings even though i wasn't a student at the school and that's where i kind of got my first boyfriend uh I remember like not coming home the first night on after my first date and then being panicked driving home thinking my roommate's going to ask where I was what am I going to tell him and he was really kind of the first person that I said to him you know I I went he's like where were you last night and I kind of made jokes that he was like oh Taylor got laid Taylor got you know because he knew at that point I'd been uh not very sexually active right. and then eventually I said look I went on a date and he went okay and I got really quiet and I started, I remember saying but it's not with a girl and he went okay and I said you're okay with and I said please please because I loved my room I'm like please stay my roommate because again I was wrong for being this person and he went why would I stop being your roommate? He goes, are you going to hit on me? And I went, no, because ew, but no. And he was just like, okay, well then we, then we don't have any problems. He goes, you yeah. know, he's like, you're, we had been roommates for about a year and change at that point. Um, and over the course of that year, that was in like October, I had a year away from my family or I had at that point, seven, eight months of where I really kind of got to be able to be more myself. And at this point I had talked with like all of my friends, like from high school and otherwise, and everybody's like, yeah, we knew. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mm-hmm. thought this was I was revealing this big revelation, which I think many breaking of us news. Do. Yes, you know, yeah. ladies, I've got a story for it. You know, they're, you know, stop the presses, and they're all just like, "Oh my god, are you kidding me?" Yeah. Meanwhile, they're like, "Okay, what do you want for dinner? Let's like right. let's hurry this up." Yeah, yeah, ladies, I've got a story. They're like, "You talked in you talked in a free period one time for forty five minutes. Why Jody Watley's Larger Than Life is the best album that's ever been released in the history of recorded media. You know, like that sort of stuff. Where I was just, you know, you." haven't stopped twirling since you've entered this room <laughs> i just i i have like i love that just visual of you like twirling in the living room whenever linda carter did it i think it's funny uh, well that's um, i'm so happy that that was a good experience or that that's yeah. that's a memory that you can think of where it wasn't such a, a harsh yeah. reality 
when I told my mom, my mom, I immediately said, I, I know. She said, I know. Um, and then she said, uh, you can't tell your father, though. It'll kill him. Because my dad at this point still very blue collar, very mm-hmm. conservative, very kind of thing. So and that became a, oh, this is a survival thing. At this point, my parents had broke up. They weren't living together anymore. Right. And okay. it wasn't until I was 26, 27, and I started dating somebody very seriously that I felt like I had to tell him because we'd been together long enough that my sister was getting married and I wanted to bring him to the wedding. Yeah. So he had apparently had a conversation with my sister not long before I called him on the phone. And I remember calling. I remember I was shaking. I was so scared. And he said to me, I said, I got something I have to tell you. I said, I'm coming home for the wedding. And, and I guess my voice break and he went, I'm going to stop you right there. And I kind of said, okay. He's like, I love you. No matter what you say, I will always love you. You can never do anything or say anything to me that is wrong. So, and I said, okay. I said, well, I've got a boyfriend. And he went, okay. He goes, does he treat you well? And I said, yeah. And he went, okay, then we don't have a problem. He's like, I look forward to meeting him. He's like, there's, you know, he's like, you don't, you, you don't have to go through the whole thing. Yeah. So when I went, you know, so of course at this point I was like, you know, I hung up the phone and it was immediately because, you know, I'm 26 and dramatic. I'm like, you know, sobbing and just ridiculous. Yeah. And to, up up until the day he he met my husband numerous times. He loves he loved my husband. He always thought my husband was great for him. He liked the last guy too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was never if there was issues, he never made me feel like there was an issue at that yeah. point because I still had that image in my head of his finger in my face in front of the thriftway saying you're never going to embarrass me again. Yeah, what a shift. And I always have to when I if I ever give advice or anybody who ever thinks I always say you had however long like let's say you're 20 years old when you decide to come out you've had 20 years to understand and accept this about yourself. You can't expect people to have it, have that in one day, like yeah. you, let them, let them have that period and just kind of, I don't know, adjust to process process. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So this is actually kind of the next section. I, I don't know how much, I know you talk about Babalu on RuPaul's Drag Race and on Potasma mm-hmm. co-pilot. You guys are Disney gays and I stand with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticing everything in your in your office right oh, now. No, the I, I look like a Disney serial killer with all the shit we have hanging in the walls. And, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> where's the body hidden in Florida of that, <laughs> that teacher from Jersey um, right. with serial killer? But um, what is it about Disney that – do you think that there's a queer parallel with Disney and gay men specifically? Because when I go to Disneyland out here, I'm an annual pass holder. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. When you come out here, I do want to go with you guys. I think it'd be really fun. Um, but yeah, I would say 60% of the people out here are obviously gay. So what do you think is that? What draws us to Disney? I think that for many of us, particularly our generations, um, I think that it allows us to be the children that we didn't get to be the first time as cliche as that sounds, you know, we, I get to be silly and carefree and, and get to experience, you know, talking about like the, you know, whether it's Linda Carter, wonder woman, whether it's Olivia Newton, John and Xanadu with all the bright lights and the color, you get to experience all of that. 
And it's not that like, you know, ooh, that's really pretty, but I'm not allowed to tell anybody that it's pretty. Yeah. You know, ooh, that's really, you know, dazzling and that sort of thing. But I, I have to act like it's no big deal, even though I'm just like, you know, Olivia Newton-John, yes! You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Where when you, when they do like the laser shows and the fireworks and and the princesses get to wear the big dresses and they get, you know, Prince Eric, you know, gets to chase them around and, and all that sort of stuff. You get, to, you get to allow yourself to envision that and what that'd be like. And talk with your friends or your husband or whoever and just sort of get to experience that with somebody else get to experience that feeling of what it's like to be you know experience that level of where you get you get to imagine yourself whether it's you want to be a princess or a pirate or a spaceman in a cool purple and green and white outfit you know you get to experience all those things and you get to look at other people who get it versus if you watched things like that growing up or you enjoyed things like that growing up you weren't allowed to share with anybody else that you liked that, you know, right. they, 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 Disney does a really good job at trying to grab that sense of childhood and child and a sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also get that it's total emotional manipulation and I'm fine with that. I'm here yeah. for it. It's totally okay. <laughs> you sign you up know. for it willingly. Right. <laughs> I mean, I talked about, you know, another character who I, you know, bringing it to Disney, another character who definitely was somebody who affected me profoundly was Princess Leia of the Star Wars movies. You know, when I never wanted to be Luke Skywalker, I wanted to be Princess Leia. One, because she got to kiss Harrison Ford, but also uh-huh. just because she got to wear she got to wear the different costumes, she got to wear hair, and she was a strong woman. And I remember, and, and Joe made fun of me when we talked about it last year, when they opened the millenni- the Star Wars land and the first time that you walked onto the millennium falcon i started to tear up mm-hmm. because i was like this is this is what i am you know i wanted to experience when i was a kid this is why i wanted to fly the millennium falcon i mean you know you get to one point you i got to be set, sit in the seat where you pull the lever to pull the ship into hyperspace yeah well in my head I was Princess Leia pulling the Millennium Falcon into hyperspace. And I was the coolest person for those 0.4 seconds. I was the coolest fucking person on the planet in the galaxy at yeah. that point. And I think that Disney brings, brings it, brings that back to us. When Carrie Fisher died, seeing Carrie Fisher still, when I see her in films or when, you know, the, la- the, when the last Jedi came out, anytime she was, I immediately started crying mm-hmm. because she was such a profound person who even in my later, again, she was known for being very, very funny and very smart. And she is also someone who struggled with mental illness and was an advocate for mental illness and talked about being bipolar very openly. Um, and so there were many facets of her. Plus, I also think that when she was younger, she reminded me, she and my mom look alike. Okay. My mom kind of looks like a combination of Carrie Fisher and Sally Field. Oh. So, and I, those are. So very whenever pretty. I see anything with them, yeah, yeah, she, she, my mom, my mom was a very, my mom still is a pretty woman. She's pretty to me. I mean, she's old now, but yeah. um, not that old people can't be pretty, but <laughs> this is before I get letters, um, before you get letters, uh-huh. uh, this is your show. This isn't my show. I'm just talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's uh, yeah. So, I mean, so yes, Disney, I think uh, us as queer people, I think that there is something about that. They know their market. And even with gay days now, you know, technically it's not an officially sanctioned event, but it's amazing how suddenly they start selling red shirts with rainbows mm-hmm. right around mid-May and they yeah. last till about mid-June. Right. And they they, they know. They, they've they leaned know. in. Yeah, yeah they, they know. They've, they've leaned in at this point. And I feel like it's been, um, it's more acceptable. I remember the first couple of gay days that I went to in the 90s, 
it was where you had people like skywriting that, you know, we were all going to hell and, and that they, the Disney had to put up signs when you walked in saying there is a private event going on today. If you have a problem with it, let us know, you know, now you don't, they're pretty much, they're flipping their finger at anybody that comes in and has a problem yeah. with it, which those are my favorite are the ones that are, everybody's in the red <laughs> shirts and they're in the green shirt with the, with the, you know, Johnson family reunion with the Bible uh-huh. verse on the back and they all look terrified. <laughs> yeah. What did we get into? Right, you know, where yeah. it's always just like, just girl, go to Epcot for the day. It's fine. No, we're all over here. Just go to another park. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. At Disneyland, we don't have that luxury because you're either in California Adventure or Disneyland and you do yeah. see the families who are like, what did we miss? <laughs> what, <laughs> what memo went around that we didn't know? But I yeah. feel like out in California, it's pretty, pretty okay. Um, there's two directions I'm kind of deciding, and these are going to be like kind of my last two points. So, uh, Pride Fi- Pride 48, your involvement with them or yes. Babalu, and kind of because you're my first married guest, so I kind of want to talk about okay. how, the whole marriage and how it came to be. So, I don't know which one came first. Uh, Pride 48 podcasting came first. Okay, so uh, let's I, let's go through there. Okay, so my ex and I broke up, and uh, I was very I went through a really pretty significant depression. Uh, was very scared because I didn't really meet my first serious boyfriend until I was 27 and assumed that that was it, that I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. We were not super nice to each other. And uh, though we tried to be friends and we still are, he and I are good friends nowadays. We just weren't the right fit. And he um, unknowingly or otherwise caused me to question everything about myself, whether I was really funny, whether I was really smart, whether I really knew how to live as an independent man, um, that kind of thing. And I went through uh, a little while of where I was just scared. And my best friend, uh, Taffy, who's my co-host on Pod is my co-pilot, we were sitting in a sushi restaurant for lunch. She was great in that she gave me that feeling of family that I didn't have living down here by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because over time, really, most of my friends went away and we were friends with his friends. So when he left, he kind of took his friends with him. And it was very much a, uh, like, I really kind of felt very alone. So Taffy, at one point, I'd started listening to podcasts because I didn't have a lot of money. And they were free. Yeah. Um, and started listening to a couple of them where they talked about they had listeners and they had people that called and left voicemails and all that kind of stuff. And I was sitting with lunch at a sushi restaurant with Taffy. And she said, well, what do you want to do? Because I said, I have to meet people. I have to, I have to be, you know, I have to, I have to get out there. And I have to meet people. And she said, well, how do you want to do that? And I said, I, I'll do a podcast. And to which she said, what's a podcast? Which is so funny because 13 years later. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I explained it to her and she sort of was like, well, do you want to, do you want to do it with me? And at that point, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do one with her or with the one friend that I really managed to hold on to was this guy who's now Rodan. And they didn't know each other. They'd only met one time. And I said, well, what if we do a show where it's the three of us? And you guys kind of get to know each other over the course of the show, thinking it would last 10 episodes and then I would get tired of it or something like that. Well, 500 and something episodes later. um, And it just it really worked. I mean, we ended up becoming really good friends with people. Somehow a show that I found through another show through another show linked us with pride 48 somehow or i started listening to all of those shows and then reached out to the adam burns Uh who i know you've interviewed already and uh the other the other uh heads of that and said we want to be involved in it and it's just kind of been that's been we've always been part of that network of shows um 
and I've I've really enjoyed it. There are times that I've struggled. There have been times that I thought, oh my God, the idea of editing a show, I don't want to do it. Or, you know, we all kind of have our quips that we all like, this is the 14th time I've heard, you know, this joke or I've heard this sort of thing, yeah. but <laughs> it, it, it comes in waves. It comes in where there's times that I really, I kind of get tired of it. And then I also can't imagine my life without doing it. Right. Because I feel like the week, the first week that we didn't do the show anymore would be the week that I'm like, oh my God, I've got six stories that I have to tell. And now I have nobody to tell you know, these, these stories too. Yeah. So. And, and what makes pod is my pod is my co-pilot work is that the different dynamics that you guys have in talking with each other, it always feels fresh, which is really fun and interesting Thank because you. yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did not know it went, you said 13 years. We started in 2007. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And really it's one of those podcasts where you can pop in on tomorrow's episode or, yeah. you know, when it's, re- and just be like, okay, like I, I I'm going to play a little bit of catch up and learn the inside jokes and who the characters are in the, yeah. in the game. But you, you learn fast. We have been told that it is the equivalent of sitting in a Starbucks and you're sitting, listening to the conversation going on. behind you. <laughs> that's actually, a, that's a good comparison. I like <laughs> that. And, and it, because when you don't think that anybody necessarily is here, like, was we tell the stories that I have told about my sex life, about my husband, about my husband and my sex life, about uh-huh. various bowel movements I've had. I mean, like all the different things that I'm like, if somebody from work found out about this and play, which happened to Rodan, where at one point years ago, he told something, something about a business transaction that wasn't about to happen. And he got pulled into human resources and they had paid somebody to listen. We'd only done about 90 something episodes at that point, Uh paid somebody to listen to all 90 something episodes and listen to every story that he told. And they had like a literal notebook of stories that he (laughs) talked about that they, they opened in front of him to which they said, you're very funny, but you can't talk about work anymore. I mean, he almost lost his job over it. So that's part of the reason where we all use fake names. Especially at that point, I was working with children. (laughs) Yeah, I was working with children, but then openly talking about how I enjoyed sucking dick. So I thought <laughs> at some point, the local news organizations are going to hear about, you know, this children's counselor that occasionally is talking about, you know, rim jobs. It didn't look good for me. So I'm like, we well, should just use fake names. It could be frowned upon, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and we should, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, I'd be shocked, but you came in for season eight of drag race recap yes yes okay and that's and that was a pride 48 property and that's how you became friends with joe and obviously you guys continued drag race recap <laughs> oh that, that that's a way to say we i became friends with joe um <laughs> I'm, I'm only mentioning his name because i know he dies if somebody doesn't talk about him every 45 <laughs> well, minutes just never gets released that, that's just it. he's not mentioned yeah. at least once if, now, yeah. is this but now i can only hear your unfiltered version is it true that you did not like joe when you first talked to him i could not stand oh joe. so there's a cr- when joe first started there was a kernel of truth to it okay oh no th- no there's there's a huge boulder of truth to <laughs> that absolutely okay and right. when catching up for started i was a huge mike lawson fan i stand mike lawson right. um and we so he said he was going to start doing the show with a co-host i felt it was very much I, I i'm not necessarily a big fan of one person talking i liked what some would call lies mike's old show because they were only like 10 minutes long mm-hmm. and it was where he was telling a story it wasn't where he was just saying oh today i went to you know this store and i bought that it was where he would have a story about so when he said he was going to do a show that felt similar to Pot as my co-pilot, I was like, oh, I'm in. Absolutely. Yeah. So and then that was my first experience with Joe. And I remember where Joe and Joe will talk about the fact the first multiple episodes, he was very extra. 
He was mm-hmm. very much, he was trying to be show batance, as he says. Right. Um, but it was very ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. And he was very much of where there wasn't necessarily, it didn't feel like teasing between him and Mike. It felt like bullying. Okay. Where he would come in and he was just very much, you know, punching down. And the one thing that he always used to say is, you know, you are the worst gay. Because Mike wasn't just, you know, openly talking about all of the dicks he was sucking or, you know, sex he was having. Rim jobs. Kind of stuff. Rim like jobs. You. Like, as compared <laughs> yeah. to me, who's, you know, Miss Rim Job 2013 has have the sash and the crown approved. I, I was going to say, you are wearing that sash. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Joe told a story, which it's funny bringing it back to Disney, where he was talking about seeing the Little Mermaid um, on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And he talked about hearing, uh, he talked about going to uh, seeing the Wizard of Oz, actually, and live and watching all of these older gay men cry when she sings over the rainbow. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about them going and seeing the Little Mermaid and then hearing part of your world and realizing that that was in some ways. And I remember Joe's voice breaking. While he was talking about it, I almost, I almost break hearing it, it, thinking about it. It makes me a little sad, mm-hmm. but it's also one of these that I realized and Joe's going to hear this. And I'm saying this with love. Oh, Joe's human. Mm-hmm. Joe's like a fully fleshed out person. Well. Joe. I, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've since learned that he really is kind of the monster that I thought he was the first couple <laughs> of episodes, but it's where I learned you you learned more about him and when he finally let that facade down then i really kind of enjoyed getting to know him Mm -hmm. um then he and i finally met at a couple of the pride 48 expos in las vegas and he we did a roast of uh another joey boohecker who's doing a golden girls recap with joe now and joe was kind of in charge of helping people with writing so i had a couple of ideas for jokes and i ran them past him and he thought they were funny And then I remember sitting in his hotel room and we were kind of going over my set, for lack of a better word, and we just kind of got really talking. And that was kind of really the first, okay, I like this guy. This Mm -hmm. this, He's friendly. He's funny. You know, again, Joe is super smart, super funny, um, emotionally unstable, all the things that I like in a friend. (laughs) Right. And he is... There, there's parts of there's parts of Joe that I want to throttle, and there's parts of Joe, Joe that I absolutely adore. And I, I have said on my show, and I feel like I've said on Drag Race Recap, one of my favorite sounds in the world is when I get Joe to laugh. If yeah. I say something that makes Joe, especially if something that makes Joe laugh really, really hard, that that puts a smile on my face for the rest of the day. That's good because I I get that he is somebody who gets it and usually the times that i've done it it's when i'm not trying i'll just kind of say something under my breath and that's the thing that really kind of sets him off and then i'm just like okay this is yeah. this, this is good so yeah yeah i started in season to answer your original <laughs> I, st- I started in season eight um he had done uh, donna sugars was the original third co-host and it wasn't actually joe i think i think it was daniel brewer was the one that brought me in. I had guessed oh. Donna couldn't do one episode on season seven. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of guest co-hosted and I guess they, the Daniel and Joe liked the, uh, like the synergy of the three of us. So when she decided that she wasn't coming back or they decided or whatever the, whatever it is, yeah. um, he, they thought, they thought of me as a co-host and I've been tied to that ball and chain ever <laughs> since. <laughs> and you haven't looked back many times. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is it kind of, it's interesting because on Pod is My Co-Pilot, is there a point where you can see where you met Bob or where you start talking about Bob yes. Lou? 
Yes. That is so, it's like a, it, you have a journal basically. And, and that's part of the reason why I feel like I'm never going to finish this show because at this point I'm 47. I started doing the show when I was the 2000, so like 33, 34. Uh-huh. So really a quarter of my life, this is my journal rather mm-hmm. than write out in a journal or keep a blog. This is where everything that I've said, done, you know, thought about shows that I liked. I, I, because I'm a huge narcissist, as you couldn't tell by the fact that I've talked for an hour and a half straight. Um, I will go back occasionally when I'm in the shower and like listen to old episodes. Not necessarily so much for me, but just to hear stories. And it's something where I can kind of half pay attention and half not. And particularly with uh, Taffy, because Taffy's girls were really young when we started. So, you know, they're both married and one's got a baby and the other's on the way. And they're talking about... I had to take them to middle school and stuff. And that's very, excuse me. And that's very, very funny for me to hear. And just like, Oh my God, they were so little. And if we knew then what we know now about where their lives have gone and that sort of stuff. So it's, it's really, I feel blessed to have specially done pot as my co-pilot with two people that have been so important in my lives. I mean, I consider Taffy and Rodan and their families to be my family, you know, as gay people, we get to choose our family. Um, (laughs) it's just so wonderful it's just so wonderful and um i do necessarily i you know uh gambit my co-host rodan's husband i talk about you know when we talk to each other via text or when i see him when we see him at gay days i'm always just like oh the sister-in-laws are together you know that kind of thing that's that's just the way i look at them as i look i look at them as family and i i can't imagine a world in which i wouldn't necessarily look at look at them otherwise yeah. Oh, that's such like a cool experience to have. And then um, is there, since anybody can go and listen to Pod as my co-pilot. So yeah. is there, can you just give me the broad strokes maybe of uh, walk me? I know I've taken so much of your time and I thank you for it, but just kind of the broad strokes of uh, marriage. How did you know that Babalu was the one? How did, what was the wedding? <laughs> I, I, there's so many well, questions okay. I have, but what are the broad strokes of it? One, I appreciate the fact that I've been talking nonstop, but you're apologizing for taking up my time. But that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. If you would that, just that, shut that, up, we could be done with this. I, that, <laughs> but that's something for you and your therapist to talk about in a future session that you're apologizing for me. Uh, Babalu, Babalu and I met on, I went through after I, after my ex and I broke up, I went to, I went through a period of, as close to my being a whore as I possibly could, where I was just like, I'm going to try every color of the rainbow (laughs) as far as, you know, just different things, you know, with different people and stuff and did a lot of, you know, I was doing a lot of like online. This was before, like I've never been on Grindr. I've never been on Scruff, anything like that. So, so when my clients tell me those stories, I am fascinated when they talk about them. It's a wild, wild West. Oh, I, that's, that's what I get. And I just like, he said that to you. Like, I mean, I'll I'll do things like that, even though I was on the precursor, which was, you know, gay.com. And I was on, um, bear 411 and and that kind of thing. And I remember my now husband's picture popping up and me going, Oh, hello. I remember saying that out loud. Uh And so he and I kind of talked and it was late. And normally I would be like, you know, you want to, you want to, can I come over or something? And I thought to myself, I want to meet this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to, I don't want this just to be a, a hookup sort of thing. So we made plans. I want to say either the next night or the night after that to meet at Starbucks. And I remember we both pull I, the Starbucks for our anniversary. We occasionally go to that Starbucks and we sit and we have coffee and we talk about what our lives would have been like. Had we never met. Um, I definitely had prior to him, I kind of had that Fible the Mouse fantasy of somewhere out there. <laughs> like I would wonder where the guy was that 
I was supposed to meet what he was doing. Yeah. Um, but I remember we pulled up, uh, both of our cars pulled up at the same time and we pulled like the parking lot where we pulled across from one another um, to where the backs of our cars were like facing. And we both got out of the car. And the second I saw him, I went, that's it. That's, that's him. Yeah. That, that's it. And that is where I, a sense of confidence came over me. A sense of calm came over me when I saw him the first time. And I realized that I, I, I was going to make him mine. Like that was, that, that was, that was it. Um, he wasn't so sure about that. I remember we, we hung out, we closed down the Starbucks and saying to him, like, you know, I, like the Starbucks was closing, but I said, I'm really not ready to, for this night to be over. And he said, I'm not either. I might have been. But, <laughs> girl, bye. Yeah. Um, and so we we went out to the beach and we we just kind of talked. And I remember, like, I kind of made the move. And he did the whole, like, I'm just looking for friends. And I, this was after he shoved his tongue in my mouth. He was just like, I'm just looking for friends. And yeah. I'm getting out of a relationship. And, I'm, and I was just like, okay. But what we found was we were talking all of the time. And we were... Like he would go out with people, but then he would come over to my house to hang out and just hang out, not mess around or anything. And we went through what I call three to four weeks of is you is or is you ain't my baby. We would talk about whether or not we were going to get together. We definitely screwed around a couple of times and we realized that, no, this is something that we decided we were going to be boyfriends. Um, And we actually... I decided I wanted to be his boyfriend and he was kind of pressing around, but it wasn't until I told him about a three-way I'd had the night before that suddenly he was like, Oh, I got to lock this one down. Yeah. And it was, I was very like nonchalant. He was like, you know, so what did you do last night? I'm like, got double teamed in Tampa. I mean, like (laughs) just the sort of like, there was a spit roast happening. (laughs) I was a Chinese finger cuff. Um, and, (laughs) Then he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, well, you said yourself we're not exclusive. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going out and I'm meeting people. Magically, suddenly he was just like, he came over that night. He was like, I want you. Which, you know, it's a tale as old as time. A girl gets it in both ends. And then suddenly, you know, that's when the prince comes riding up on the white horse with the ring going, please be mine. Right. Um, We were together for many years. We assumed we would never get to be married. We would never get the, the right of marriage. And then when it got passed uh not long after that i pretty much decided i wanted to you know really lock this one down um i asked him to marry me on a disney cruise actually on a cruise to alaska Mm -hmm. uh he said yes uh obviously um and about a year and change we got married at taffy's house in in a great ceremony that was a perfect as close to a perfect day as it could could have been um it was very everybody that came to our wedding that, and they could have been blowing smoke up our ass said, you know, this wedding was very much the two of you and we mm-hmm. couldn't have been happier, which you can take as a read, but we, they were smiling <laughs> yeah. when they said it. So I'm assuming, right. but it just felt we're, we're not big, overly ostentatious. We're not, it was, it was in a house that was comfortable. It was food that was very, you know, we had, uh, we had Italian food. So we had like chicken parm and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the music was very us, um, and everything about it was, you know, a lot of our uh, table settings were all either Disney or Star Wars or Wonder Woman or, you know, we just had stuff like that that was very much of that mm-hmm. um, 
of that. So it, it's, I, I've never looked back. I, you, you talked before about how you feel like you have to come out. And it's funny how in the beginning you have that phase of where you, everything is, you know, gay, 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 gay. And everything is, you know, rainbows shooting at your mouth every time, you know, you, you get to come out to somebody and you get to be like, you know, very, you know, in your face. And now when I talk about things, in the beginning, I was very, you know, my husband and I, and now it's very much, yeah, my husband does this or my husband does that. And it's yeah. just, and, and I love that it's so ordinary at this point. I love yeah. that it's so just kind of like, whatever. That's such a great, it's so, it's always so encouraging to hear about partnerships that work and that you had that like instant click of, cause I, I believe in that where it's just you, when your heart knows it knows. And that's just like that feeling telling you you're doing the right thing. So that's, yeah. that's really good to hear. And then it sounds like you guys are still very much, you guys have um, a lot in common and uh, <laughs> what animal and birth. a lot not <laughs> in my head you have to have there has to be a common thread somewhere to really keep something going but then i feel like if people are different personalities it works it's a it's a dynamic i i guess friendship we we are definitely i mean we definitely have similar interests we both love disney we both love star wars i mean i think something that has been nice about this last week is that we're both playing animal crossing we're both that we where we sit on the couch and it's something where we've always both like video games but we like very different types of video games whereas this is something that we're both playing together and one gets genuinely excited for the other when you get you know you get the fish that everybody's trying to get or something like that so there there is that um he is without a doubt the has the biggest heart of anybody I've ever met in my entire life. And that is ultimately what one keeps me from killing him. But two, cause then, you know, that would be horrible to kill something so pure and lovely and beautiful, but it's something that he inspires me with his kindness that I try to, I definitely try to live up to that. And I'm not always successful with it. Um, uh, we, we do think a lot. We, if family is very important to both of us, but it's not the overarching theme in our lives, but we definitely want to check in with our families, make sure they're okay. Um, laughter is very important to both of us. Uh, but we also have enough differences. He loves, he loves like anime and manga. And he watches a lot of TV shows like that, that I just sort of look out of the side of my eye. And I'm very much of the, like, you know, if you enjoy that, watch it. I have no interest in it. And I learned that from my ex because things that I liked that he didn't were kind of considered dumb and that it was they were openly mocked. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mock it, but I also encourage him to do it because I want him to have interests that are different than mine. Over time with my ex, we became so much the same person in that I watched the TV shows he liked. I listened to the music that he liked. I, you know, I I went out with the friends that he liked. That it became where we had nothing different. Whereas I want to encourage him as my partner to have interests that are very, very different and that that are things that are his own because I have things that are my own. And it makes it much more interesting when you can come together and talk about things and you're not just both kind of saying the same thing at each other all the time. Cause that's good. That gets boring. Yeah, I agree. It's two girls, one brain for a very yeah. timely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor, that's kind of like the, the bulk of the podcast. Thank you again. I mean, it's really fun because it's like I said, with all of these afterthought hosts where I know you and I know your, your show persona. And I know kind of little bits and pieces. Like I've heard little tiny bits of some of these stories, but I've never heard the full length. And it's really great just to kind of learn about you. So thank you so much for doing this. I do have fast questions though, where I'm just asking all of the different hosts, the same questions, just to kind of see the variation that they come up. with. So that's kind of the, how we're going to wrap it up. So the first one, super simple, favorite color. 
see. Uh, no, I'm, oh. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, for a long time, orange was my favorite color. But now I'm kind of gone into a purple phase. I guess I'm a winter by nature, so purple. Mike Mike Lawson's was orange. So, and I think you're my first purple. So that's good. Good it means royalty. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. I mean, with Sash and Tiara, how could I assume? <laughs> with Miss Rin Job 2013, how can purple not be? And she's going for the title for 2020, I hear. So, <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, one can hope. Uh, okay. Your car, your bedroom, and your kitchen are all a disaster. Which one do you clean first? My car, my kitchen, and my bedroom are all a disaster. Messy. Uh, I'm going to say my kitchen. My kitchen was the knee jerk reaction. Okay. How come? Now, of all of them, it used to be because I drove and see can answer when i was like when i was a hospice therapist my my car was my office pretty much and i noticed my level of anxiety increased with the messier my car was so i would i would notice if i stopped at a gas station and cleaned got rid of all like the starbucks cups and stuff i would immediately calm to me yeah for me now it is my kitchen if i see dirty dishes on the counter or i see shit laying all over the place or one thing that i do want to kill my husband for is he has a habit of leaving cabinet doors open uh-huh. So, so that's the sort of thing that I, it makes my eye twitch and I have to clean that up. So kitchen, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. God, I can't shut up kitchen. kitchen. That's good. And for anybody keeping count, I've interviewed five people. You were my final interview. I think this is gonna be our last episode and everybody has said kitchen. Nobody has straight away. You were the closest to maybe leaning toward car. So just a okay. little bit. All right. um, can you name something that you're curious about right now? How much of this you're going to edit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not a single damn thing. Um, uh, something I'm curious about is I went through a phase a couple of months ago where I had downloaded an app called Babbel to learn Spanish. And I did it for really well for about a week and a half and then dropped it. And then I just was scrolling through apps uh, this morning and saw the app is still there. It kind of got pushed to the back. And thought, I maybe I want to start learning that, but I also kind of want to learn Italian too. I see. So, so, so right. le- okay. learning a different language is, is something I'm more cu- I'm curious about of late. Okay, yo tengo tres preguntas para. T- <laughs> I, I did some Spanish. You, you know, you have learn- three more questions. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, living in Southern California, I feel like you have to have a little bit of Spanish under your belt. Okay, so uh, Florida. Hello. I know. Yeah, you, my husband you, is Cuban. <laughs> Have him, it, it should be full immersion. You should call him Duolingo and just make him talk to you only in Spanish. <laughs> so, which is, I adore his grandmother who doesn't speak a lick of English. And right. anytime we go to visit them in Miami, she loves me for some reason. She always wants to sit next to me and she wants to talk to me, even though she knows I can't speak English. And she says all the time now, you have an abuela. You need to learn to speak Spanish. Yeah. Why haven't you learned to speak Spanish? <laughs> and then I just kind of go, you know, Lo siento. Like, I, I just don't know anything else to say. Yeah, very. I love Lucy. I, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. Can you brag about something that you're good at? Uh, talking, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better at digital art. Um, I, I do. I posted a lot on Instagram lately of pictures that I've been drawing and I felt very unsure of myself when I first started posting them. And then I've eventually learned it. It doesn't really matter how many people like it. It's if you like it and I am getting better and I'm practicing and I'm, I'm starting to really, I want to really, really be able to brag about myself one day. But for right now, I look at some pictures. I'm like, that's pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. That's good. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, what's your favorite physical feature of yourself? Can I say two? 
I'll allow it. Okay, thank you. I I love my hair. You um, have great hair. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I one thing that I got from my dad uh, is his. He had very very thick dark hair, and while it has definitely receded a little bit on the sides, I still have you know, and it grows super fast. Um, the other thing that the other body part that I love about myself is my calf muscles because it's the one defined muscle i still have you're a leg man huh? you like legs I will, oh yeah oh yeah no ca- calves calves and th- yeah because we talked about rock'em's thighs on a recent track right? there's something about you know thick thighs that are great and i've got thick thighs but that's because they're filled with uh <laughs> pillsbury dough but um the calf muscles that was always something like when i when i would work out if i would do like the calf races i would look in the mirror and be like yeah it was awesome <laughs> yeah you look really really good you always offer to pick up things off the top shelf like oh, la- oh allow yeah, me. No, I always, well and that was a joke on a recent pod as my co-pilot where we took uh taffy's husband to disney for his birthday present because he's a star wars person so he did rise of resistance and he walked up by the steps behind me on toy story and he apparently talked to taffy about like Taylor's got really great. I'd be like, he's got like really, really defined calves. I'm like, well, one, if you were carrying around all of this pizza dough all the time, your calves would look this great too. But he was like super, like he was overtly excited about my calves. I was like, oh, well, we're not going to kink shame, but this is an interesting new uh, pivot in our friendship. (laughs) That's a good, it's, I think that's a great, it's something that you kind of take for granted until you look at it. So that's a good one to point out. And then, well, this might actually be the one that you're talking about, but what are you most complimented on? Uh... Are you talking body part or just in general? Just personality, body, whatever you want to think. Uh, I would say that I'm easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a lot of clients who have said to me, especially recently with everything going on with the the quarantines and stuff, that they're glad. I've had I had actually had a client yesterday send me a text message saying that I talked him off the proverbial ledge with something that was going on with him, which I just thought we were having a conversation. But also, we were having a conversation where I was listening. But also I was teasing him. He's somebody that I feel like I can have that relationship with and which I guess broke some of the tension for him. And he said, you know, I was really, really upset when I called you and he goes and listening to you and talking with you and recognizing, you know, being you answering questions for me and everything being okay. I feel much better. And I've had that over the last couple of weeks. I've had other people just in passing go, I'm glad that we talked. I've been sitting, I've been sitting in my you know house or apartment for the last five days and haven't really talked to anybody. I, I'm glad that you know you're listening to me and we're having this conversation. So, so in that regards, I I get compliments on my listening skills and that I'm easy easy to talk to. So that would be what something a, that I get compliments on that yeah, I'm proud a, of. Yeah, that's a great compliment because that it, it means that you're helping people and you're doing you're, you're translating your work life into personal life and you're able to really understand people. So that's a fantastic thing. Well. <laughs> Listen to me now when I say thank you so much for joining me, Taylor. I really appreciate it. And um, really, everybody, you guys, we did it. This was Outcast, the little limited series that I was running just to keep you guys entertained during the quarantine. So I hope you're staying safe and please stay out of the public until they tell us otherwise. And um, yeah, I can't. I, I, I really, Taylor, you were a fantastic guest. And this is one of the ones that I was excited about because, like I said, I know you, but I don't know a lot about you. So you're a fantastic final guest for me. So thank you so much for being here sashay away until next week (laughs) that works bye